Everybody and welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. This is episode number 114. My name is Alexander Holland and as always I'm sad digitally next to my number one pod pirate. He's got to be the one called John Maloney. And John Maloney, you're way down there in Melbourne town. Yeah. I'm way down south London town. This is very, very International podcast. It's very important to me that every couple of episodes, one of us be in a brand new exotic location, be that Singapore or be that Istanbul, be that Laos. Yeah, exactly. I want to go somewhere real crazy one time where I say, hey, John, I want to say what's going on. And I'm coming to you live from South Sudan this morning. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, what have we done now? We've done London, Berlin. We've done Singapore, Berlin. Well, we, re- we've done... Re- we recorded together in New York. Lao, New York. Uh, Darwin. Darwin. Been up in Darwin in the Northern Territory. Not exactly what you'd call an exotic location, but I think there's few podcasts that have done a Darwin-Berlin link up. Um <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, if you're wondering what those hefty subscription fees are for, everyone, that's what they're for. Yeah. So that one of us can go on, go to an to a international locale every few apps. Yeah, I want to say thanks, everybody, because I always get to fly exclusive first class on all my flights, thanks to the Patreon. <laughs> I, I, get, I get one of those, I always get one of those kind of Emirates suites on the plane that's essentially like my <laughs> own hotel room. Yeah. Just like a little rumpus room on the in the back of the plane, and have a have a person, have a close personal relationship with the PR team at, at at Emirates that just reach out to me and they say, "Come on, Al, come and get back on the get in the rumpus room. We'll do it. We'll give it to you <laughs> for only half price, ten thousand dollars." And I go, "The don't praise Patreons would want this." <laughs> And you're drinking, you're sipping on Nort. Speaking of marketing, when are we getting that yeah. Nort sponsorship? I don't know. How many how many liters of this stuff am I going to have to consume? <laughs> yeah, this is another Nort uh, Pacific Ale. Shout out to Nort. It's my non-alcoholic beer of choice. Yeah, can you do a little Nort read for us? Do it, maybe you could Maybe you could sort of do a Nort, little... But why, why have you chosen Nort, John? Oh, when you've had a hard... So for all of our non-naught heads out there, naught is an alcohol-free beer in Australia. Yeah. So what? Well, it's an alcohol-free beer. Well, you've had a hard. Well, you've had a hard day at. And you've the, had a tough weekend drinking too much conventional alcohol, and you've got the horrors, <laughs> and you've you've put on a kilo, <laughs> and you're worried about that. Just switch to naught. It's non-alcoholic. It's a hundred percent. Crafted. I don't know what that means, but it's um, it's been it's one hundred percent been created. Yeah, hundred percent crafted. What a vacuous claim. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'd prefer a hundred percent to 
50% crafted, 50% is, is just found non-alcoholic <laughs> beer. <laughs> Res- 50% of this is rescue alcohol-free beer. <laughs> Selfish beer. So our somebody who's been a little bit in the zeitgeist in the last couple of weeks for different reasons is the actor and every man beloved by all, Tom Hanks. Yeah, okay. And uh, he did an interview with Adam Buxton, um, who who uh, who runs a a very uh, far reaching podcast in the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, he was promoting his new book. He's written a book about. Yeah, I have. So kind of, right. I have seen the book, John. I've seen it advertised on the on the yeah. buses. He's written a kind of fictionalized account of the experience of movie making i think in in the form of a novel and i think it's his second uh at least his second novel so he's a real renaissance man yeah and and he was um he was speaking with adam about the possibility that in the near future he might be able to be played by a deep fake version of himself okay Uh, so he was exploring the possibility that you know talking about things like de-aging technology which would allow him to sort of play a much younger version of himself turner and hooch too exactly deep fake technology which would allow him to potentially pass away and just have somebody uh who looked in, in indistinguishable from him and him and adam buxton were throwing that idea around but one uh slightly more low-tech idea that they didn't canvas was the possibility that he might just be played by his brother, Jim Hanks, who I've done a bit of <laughs> digging on recently. Um, and I can't remember. I don't know what sort of Wikipedia hole I was in that led me to read up on Jim, um, who is Tom's brother. Yeah. Uh, but he's a, he's kind of a fascinating character. Um, James Mefford Hanks, or Jim Hanks, uh, born in 1961, who basically has made a career out of being a sort of off-brand version of Tom Hanks <laughs> um, because he sounds a lot like him and he kind of looks like a sort of um, slightly beta version of Tom Hanks. And so if you look at his, I mean, loyal listeners of the show will know that one of the pleasures of my life is discovering a Wikipedia page which has all the hallmarks of being written by the person whose page it, it is. Um, <laughs> and his his page has some of those hallmarks. So um, he talks, for example, about uh, the fact that the agent who employed his actress wife as a receptionist encouraged him to get into acting. He moved to Los Angeles in 1992 and began a career with, with roles in B-movies and commercial voiceovers. He then says this, he got a... First lead role in as Jeter Buford in Buford's Beach Bunnies. I'm sure we all remember that movie from 1993. And it says, wishing to earn the role based on his own abilities, he auditioned as Jim Matthews, just his first and a modification of his middle name, it says in brackets. While producers noted his, quote, resemblance to Tom Hanks, he won the role based on his own comedic and acting skills. And his relationship to his brother was not revealed until the paperwork was completed. And that is a sentence that very much sounds to me like it was written by Jim <laughs> Hanks um, with a slight air of kind of insecurity. Yeah. That perhaps, 
that he was sort of he he took pride in the fact that he got this role, uh, albeit thirty years ago, that was uh, that was not um, on his brother's kind of good name. And then he says this in 1995, a current affair revealed that Tom had created the mannerisms for the character of Forrest Gump based on the simpleton mannerisms earlier created by Jim for the role of Jeter, including Forrest's now famous jerky run. Um, and, and so there Jim's kind of essentially taking credit or partial credit for one of Tom's um, signature roles, which I quite like. Uh, and then it goes on to say that Jim acted as a body double for certain scenes that Tom did in Forrest Gump. And, yeah. Um, and it subsequently lists his uh, his film and TV credits. Um, and I think I actually first came across him when I was uh, looking after my brother's kids and they were watching a kind of um, lesser known spin-off of the Toy Story franchise. And yeah. I was like, I'm pretty sure Tom Hanks wouldn't have a bar of this because it's just <laughs> like a kind of pretty low budget sort of computerized graphic short. And sure enough, it wasn't Tom, although it did sound a lot like him. It was his brother, Jim, um, who, for example, has played him, has played the character of Woody yeah. uh, in Toy Story Treats. I don't know what that is. Yeah, but, okay. You know, that's the thing. It's like this kind of crapo Toy Story thing. Also a yeah. thing called Lamp, Lamp Life. He played the voice of Woody in that. Yeah. So the first I the first I was aware of him, John, is that I was presented a clip of the Graham Norton show on uh -huh. social media not that long ago. And Graham Norton had Tom Hanks on the show and he brought out a Woody doll and he right. pulled he pulled the string on Woody and Woody did your classic, there's a snake in my boots. And then Graham, oh, yeah. obviously knowing the answer, said to Tom, Is that you? And Tom goes, mm. Nope, that's my brother Jim. <laughs> and really? then, Tom went on, then Tom went on to explain that his brother Jim does all that stuff that he doesn't really want to do. <laughs> it's great. So he's done also like Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, The Adventure Begins, Tiny Toy Stories, all these things that I've never heard of, but I guess they're sort of straight to video um Things that are the things that are relying on the Toy Story intellectual property. Yeah, and then he's done. He's done the voice of Woody in. Let's have a look here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen video games, uh, based on di various Disney spin-offs and bits of Toy Story intellectual property. He's also um, voiced. The, Woody for uh, an interactive 4D theme park called wow. Toy Story Midway Mania. Um, so I think, um, <laughs> I mean, I just, I love the fact that he's got this kind of, because there's something like slightly belittling about, I mean, if one of my brothers became famous and I, I just made a career out of kind of impersonating them in things that they couldn't be fucked doing. I, I would, I, I wouldn't necessarily feel like I'd forged my own path. And, uh, and, but I, I think it would be great if we're in the, we're in the era of remakes. And, and so I think it'd be great. I mean, don't worry about deep fakes. You can save your money. You just get Jim 
to <laughs> to star in. I don't know. It could be The Burbs. Could be Big. Just just Big Twenty Twenty Four, starring Jim Hanks, and see if anyone notices. <laughs> I'm wondering if he's arguing still that he's he's got all those. His Wikipedia page just says Jim Hanks has achieved all these roles, and it has nothing <laughs> to do with the fact that he's Tom's brother. It's yeah. for his own incredible acting. He can exactly. He can in fact impersonate any actor that you would ask yeah. him, but it just by chance happened that one day <laughs> they asked him to do his brother and he was pretty good at it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Producers noted that he did sound like Tom, but they but they employed him uh, just because of his talent and his vocal range, I'm sure. I can just get one of I can just get one of your brothers to just come <laughs> on and just it's true, yeah. Tom sounds pretty much like me. Have people, people confused you and Tom for, for like voice wise? I've ever on the phone. Yeah, they have. Ah. Yeah, yeah. I'll just say, look, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Tom. I'm sorry that you have a wife and a family in New York City, mm. but you're a podcaster now. Every month, <laughs> every Monday night, every Monday morning in New York, you're gonna have to work it out with Vanessa. Yeah, that's right. And you're gonna have to just say, look. <laughs> Yeah, look, Nard, can you bloody keep keep the kids down? I'm doing my podcast as John. It was just say that he's you, the as whole John. thing. Exactly. <laughs> Hi, Al. It's been good being a lawyer in Melbourne this week. Yeah, <laughs> sure has, hasn't it, John? Yeah. I'm here with yeah. my, I'm here with my girlfriend Jacinta. <laughs> Vanessa has to put an Australian accent on. So, John, we love on Zone Praise the Machine. If we're not talking about Jim Hanks, we're talking about... <laughs> then we're definitely talking about... I mean, I'm getting so many... Since I've really shifted the show from being fun and enjoyable to a conversation, hard, hardline conversational rules, I've got a lot of messages from people saying, wow, I'm really <laughs> loving the cast way more than I ever did before. Because... <laughs> I don't know why it was that I was going to parties and everybody was telling that people would come up to me at the party and they'd say, you're the most awkward person at the party and you're the least fun to talk to. And I'd go home, <laughs> I'd sit on my bed, I'd go, what the heck? I'm trying my best out here. Yeah. yeah. And what am I doing wrong? I keep asking people what they do for work. I keep asking them what they've been up to. <laughs> I thought that's, I thought this, I thought. I was told as a child that people like talking about themselves. So if you just ask them where, what school they went to and what they do for work <laughs> and what have they been up to, that I'd be number one at the party. So I looked up a, uh, every week I just love to throw in a little conversational prompt that you yeah. can throw out at a party so that at the end or during the party, people stop coming up to you and walking you into the corner of the party and going, <laughs> you are fucking this whole party up. I want you to leave. I want you to leave right now. <laughs> if you weren't Jacinta's partner, you would not be here. 
<laughs> so good what I heard because I love looking up um, often just I mean these kind of go hand in hand but also as you've done a few times before John question to ask on a date so I was going to yep. ask you that this is quite a good one um, oh, yeah. I also, also just love the idea of asking these as the first question on the date <laughs> so you go hi, hi I'm Alex and she goes oh hi I'm Sarah and I go Sarah if you could give a 10-minute presentation on any subject, what would it be? <laughs> that's that's nice. Yeah. So, that was, the, that was the first prompt that I was going to give you. If you could give a 10-minute yeah. presentation, what do you think? If you... Because, I mean, in Ooh. a sense, the podcast is your presentation. Mm. It's our presentation vehicle. But, yeah. That's true. If you got to, If you got to force everybody to sit in a room for a few yeah. minutes and you got, uh, you got out... A copy of uh, Microsoft PowerPoint, and you're ready yeah. to give your presentation. What weird yeah, little yeah, corner yeah. of your mind would you say, everyone? I'm ready to present. Mm. Probably uncontacted tribes. Everyone knows <laughs> that I mean that I just fucking nerd out on Wikipedia pages about uncontacted tribes. <laughs> Show some good slides. Um, do a PowerPoint presentation. You're in the entire the entire presentation would just be those kind of blurry shots from a helicopter. This <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be bewildered nude people staring <laughs> up and hurling spears. Here's another picture of nude, bewildered people throwing spears <laughs> at a helicopter. And just me going, we don't know. We don't even know what language they speak. What are they up to down there? All right, Quest next slide, please. Quest questions. Questions? <laughs> this, is, this is a silent room. <laughs> what about you? What about you, Jacinta? Just, just you said, say, say, the one I, say the one I gave you. <laughs> What's your favorite tribe? Good question. Thank you. <laughs> I think it's the Sentinelese people. She's just giving you a Dorothy Dixer. I would like mm. to thank the partner of me for the question. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I read that question and I thought I, I thought to myself, uh, I know exactly what I would give a presentation on and my friends are going to know, yeah. especially anybody who's been trapped in a conversation with me recently, is going to know exactly what I would talk about. But I'm going to structure, another thing that I do love as well is structuring a story uh, in a way that captures engagement. So what I'm going to do is I structure the story <laughs> in a certain way that's going to make everybody stick around until the punchline. So <laughs> so here's how it goes. This is what I would do my present. I would start my presentation and I would say, everybody want to tell you a story about a man that's very special to me. And I think he's a man that you know, but you maybe didn't know his backstory and how inspiring it is. So I'm going to tell a story about a man that was born in California in 1942. And this man, mm -hmm. he, as a child, was bullied because he had a bad stutter. And so all the oh, kids okay. would say to him, why are you stuttering? Yeah. Is there something wrong with you? Are you not as smart as the rest of us? And so that's mm. the kind of thing he had to grow up with. But he found solace in jazz music. Mm. And so he, outside of school where he was mercilessly bullied for his stuttering, he became a professional jazz musician and huh. throughout the 19, I guess it'd be 60s, 70s and even 80s, he was a professional jazz musician in California. 
He also had, mm. had developed a bit of a drinking problem. He was a kind of mm. crazy alcoholic jazz man, just jazzing about, just making ends meet. And then mm. in the 1980s, he met his, his, who then become his wife, Judy. And Judy said, John, you are having a lot of trouble in life. It seems like you kind of hit the end of the road here with all this Californian jazz scene. Because he'd been a professional jazz musician uh, his right. whole life at this point. She yeah. said, look, you're just making Ed's meet with this jazz. Let's get out of here. Let's go to Berlin, Germany, where oh. the wall has just fallen down. And I think there could be some, you could just play jazz in bars over there and we could be in Europe together. He said, Judy, I like the sound of that. So they got on a plane and they left for Berlin, Germany in 1990 and they moved there. Mm -hmm. He got an mm -hmm. agent and he was able to play jazz in bars and clubs in Berlin. There was a little bit of a jazz scene. Uh, he got himself an agent and the agent's name was, one sec here, John. <clears throat> he got himself an agent named Manfred Zaringer, who was actually a Danish man. And he okay. was able to get him some gigs, I believe, in hotels around Europe. So he might send him off for a few months to play piano in a hotel foyer in Oslo mm -hmm. or something like mm -hmm. a little residency. And then one day, maybe let's say about 1994, Manfred Zaringer said to John, look, I kind of like the way that you're doing a funny little thing with your voice there. I think we can take that, put a little bit of a Eurobeat so sound on it and see what happens. I think hmm. you could be a big star and John was, he said, look, man, I'm a traditional jazz man. I don't want to this Euro, jazz, Euro dance trash. But he thought this could be my way out. It could be opportunity. Right. So John said, okay, sure, I'll give it a go. So he went off, hung out with some young Euro dance producers, and they made a little song together with his funny little thing he was doing with his voice. Yeah. And he had said to his wife, Judy, at the time, Judy, I don't really want to do this thing because I have a very bad stutter and I don't really want to <coughs> sing because everybody will know that I'm stuttering. And Judy said, you, uh. listen, you listen to me, John. What you're going to do is you're going to put it all out there. You're going to do balls to the wall, pure honesty, heart on your sleeve. You're going to make the song about stuttering. You're going to uh. let everyone know that you're comfortable with your stuttering and you can succeed anyway. She probably said to him something like, you could say something like, everybody stutters one way or the other, so check out my message to you. As a matter of fact, don't let nothing hold you back. If the scat man can do it, brother, so can you. And he said, oh. Judy, I like the sound of that. <laughs> and then a year later, that song came out. It came out as a song, Scat Man by Scat Man John. Mm. It became an international hit. And John Larkin, a.k.a. Scatman John, yeah. became a worldwide star at the age of 53. Wow. And that I remember when I was a boy. That's wild. And uh, I remember when that song came out. It must have come into my life in about 95, so we would have been in year seven, John. And I remember really, yep. really liking it. But also, I knew, I, just, I could hear in his voice. This mm. is a, this is an older man, <clears throat> yeah. On a Eurobeat song, what has happened here? And I never mm. knew. And it was only till I it was only when I moved to Berlin and I looked him up that I realised that the whole 
reason that he had become a success was because he'd moved to Berlin and met this particular guy, this Manfred Zaginger, his manager, hmm. and they got him on a Eurobeat track. And yeah, so that's, that's what I, that's amazing. I, that's what I would tell a story. That's what I would do my presentation about. And I've got more to, I've got more to say on that, John, but I just want to ask you firstly, what is, what does Scatman John mean to you? <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Great question. <laughs> Nobody's asked me that since the early 90s. Um, There's a playground in 1995 at St. Ignatius College. When all the, remember when all the kids would gather around in a circle in 1995, they'd sit down <laughs> on the asphalt at recess and somebody would stand in the middle of the circle and point at everybody and say, Greg, what does Scatman John mean to you? And all the boys <laughs> would give, would, would talk about how important give it was to them. a tearful homage. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I remember that song very well too. And I did, I remember that, I think I remember the video clip where this kind of weathered older man was yeah. you know, like in a kind of, um, pork pie hat, like a kind of jazz style outfit was sort of, was, um, scatting. Yeah. And I never had any idea where he'd come from or whether he, you know, was, somebody that was like famous in a past career who'd been picked up and given this new lease as yeah. a pop person but or a dance person. But uh, that's crazy to know that he's such a late bloomer. And then I guess he had a career of touring and stuff like that yeah. on the back of that, I assume. So so the end of the story is that he, he yeah, so he became a massive star at the age of 53 and started touring mm -hmm. the world and... Hmm. Then in, so and during his, uh, during his time being a famous man, a lot of people around the world who themselves had a problem with stuttering reached out to him because they realized that, that Scatman, the song, Ski, Ba, mm. Bop, Ba, Dop, Bop, uh, in brackets, was mm -hmm. about stuttering. And so um, he formed a few relationships with particularly, I think, some young people that reached out to him on the early World Wide Web I read hmm. a story about, I think she was a girl in Birmingham who became quite close to him because she'd never heard anybody talking about stuttering so publicly before. Uh, and it's yeah, especially wow. somebody who was being so successful by talking mm. about their stutter. So it's a very mm. sweet story of him forming mm. these relationships. And he had relationships with stuttering organizations around the world. Uh, yeah, not, wow. not entirely dissimilar from Bill Withers, by the way. Bill Withers famously oh. had a very severe stutter as a child and was mercilessly bullied. Um, wow. But I could tell that, that uh, Bill Withers' stutter was not as severe as John Larkin, a.k.a. Scatman John, because even in during the period of him being Scatman John, so in his sort of mid-50s, you can still tell that he had quite a severe stutter. Yeah, and, uh, okay. In some of the interviews, right. he gets caught on some sentences and phrases. Mm. But in 98, he was diagnosed with lung cancer and then he died mm. a year later. So he burned very brightly, very briefly, John mm. Larkin, and then passed away. How old was he? He was 50, 57. So he was famous for less than five years. Oh, wow. But there's, it's, there's all this really lovely um, footage of him on uh, YouTube of interviews mm. that he did at the same time. And because he was older when he became famous, there is something quite quite wholesome and honest about the way that he just interacts with interviewers. Because he's, yeah. he's not a young person trying 
to yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. be anything. He just he just yeah. took it as an incredible stroke of luck that he'd become <clears throat> a huge star at the age of fifty three. Yeah, but um, the the end of this story, uh, for, at least for the time being, because the John Lark and Scatman John story never ends. It's just it lives <laughs> in our hearts forever. In case anybody's all wondering out there, and I want to. And so what happened a few weeks ago is I will occasionally look on YouTube and on the internet about once a year, I'll do a little Scatman John search, just see what's happening, yeah. happening out there in the world of Scatman John. And, right. um, and earlier this year, I realized that a, actually a German graphic novel artist, uh, by the name of Jeff She, I think it would be pronounced, had done a, a, a graphic novel. It's about 250 pages on, it's hmm. like a biography of Scatman John because jo wow. Jeff, Jeff had discovered him on YouTube only, only about 10, 15 years ago, actually. So mm. long after he was, uh, he was famous and had died. And so I instantly bought the 2022 Jeff She uh, graphic novel. Anyone that's been over to my house recently will know that's my, uh, that's my coffee table book. It's called Who's mm. a Scatman? And mm. I started thinking to myself, this story, I can't believe there's not a documentary about this. I jumped on the yeah. internet and I was looking up, this is such an incredible story and it's such a sweet, inspiring story about this mm. man who struggled with stutter his whole life and then he became mm. a star at 53, completely out of the blue, did not expect it. Then he connects with all these people through stuttering to help them with their stutter and then he just mm. dies at 57. Mm. And so I thought this is incredible. And I have uh, one of my one of my um, cousins is in film at the South Australian Film Corporation. Shout out to Beth. And I wrote to Beth because I was like, "Look, this is an incredible story. Nobody's telling this story. Maybe yeah. I'll just become a documentary filmmaker <laughs> and I'll make Do this Scatman John film." <laughs> so I reached out to Beth and I said, "Beth, yeah. listen, I know this sounds like a crazy idea." And she said, "Who is this?" I said, "It's your first cousin Al. I've been away for a long." <laughs> time she said i remember now i said beth what's the first thing that i would do if i was interested in just getting started on a documentary and she mm. gave me a few tips anyway i go away might, yeah i go away to istanbul for one week okay mm. go away to istanbul for one week and i come back and i'm all ready to get started on my uh, my Scatman John documentary. I've been waiting since 1998 to do yeah. my documentary. Yeah. Uh, and in the, in the one week that I'd been in Istanbul, I get back and I go, I'll just start my, my, I'll just start my little documentary preliminary research on Scatman John. So I put it Scatman John into the internet. And the first thing that comes oh. up is Scatman John feature film in the works exclusive posted while i was in istanbul oh. so written by the goldbergs <clears throat> scribes stephen Bassaloni and annie mebban and they've also written for community or one of them that stephen did uh will, the biopic will chronicle the life of john larkin who overcame an abusive childhood and bullying that stemmed from being a lifelong stutterer and became an overnight international sensation in his 50s as scatman john one of the biggest novelty hits of the 1990s so that's from March this year, mm. uh, the announcement. And so I'm just happy that uh, this is getting and made. The executive producer, wouldn't you know it? It's your cousin Beth. She's <laughs> she stabbed you in the back.
thanks everyone for joining us on this week's episode of Don't Praise the Machine. Before we go, Al, I wanted to tell you and our listeners about something else that I've been finding out about, as well as my deep dive into the Jim Hanks story over the recent days. And that is a little bit about the life and work of an influencer that some of our listeners might have started to come across on places like Instagram or TikTok. And that's uh, Timon Creek. Mm. I think that's probably how you, not, not how you pronounce his name, but that's, um, but that's what I'm going with. Um, and you might not know his name, but you might have seen a man with a very boyish face and an enormous muscular body <laughs> um, kind of dispensing in a very serious and earnest way life advice or um, just kind of quotes and learnings and warnings about behaving in certain ways around certain people. <laughs> and people are fucking eating it up. And he has... So he's a... South African influencer. Yeah. Um, and he has now about three quarters of a million followers, 779,000 followers. And uh, on Instagram, it's probably got more on other platforms, yeah. but I, I don't use them. Uh, but he he's a Christian, I think. Yes. And um, he's just an interesting, quite memorable guy because he looks so sort of extraordinarily muscular and sort of roidy, but he's, he's got this kind of, um, I mean, his tone is almost like this sort of slightly, it's like hyper-masculinity tinged with this sort of strange neediness and insecurity and a yeah. slight sense that he's been rejected. You know, he's got, he does these things like, I've got a few quotes from his recent videos. He says, uh, this is one of the ones that he's tagged at the top of his Instagram profile. He says, one thing people need to understand is that about extremely nice, kind, loving people is that their other side is just as extreme. It's the hell they survive that makes them gentle. Don't mistake their self-control for weakness. The beast in them is sleeping, not dead. So it's kind of like, <laughs> it's this hints at this kind of slightly dejected person. And then he's got various things like, if you go, if you go and leave me on delivered all the time, don't get all crazy when I deliver myself to someone who has time for me. <laughs> um, and uh, and then he's got another one, which is just like him him doing weights, and in the foreground, there's just a quote. It says, "Someone said people who have good hearts always end up losing because we are we always give more than we receive, we always forgive, and we accept the love we get." even when we know we deserve better. I feel that, he says. Yeah. So he's a, he's a bit sad. The first the first one I saw, and I think it's probably the most famous one, is just, it's classic Timon where he's he's wearing a beanie, he's got a T-shirt on with this huge muscular body showing, and he stands uh, looking at the camera and he just says something along the lines of, <laughs> he says, all the people they say to me, Timon, come out tonight. There's going to be a big party. There's going to be tons of girls, lots of drinking. It's going to be wild. I'm like, hey, no way, man. That's not the kind of fun that I'm looking for. I really don't want to do that. I'm just going to stay home and talk about Jesus. And then, and then, and, and then he just there's the end of the video. It's basically yeah. him just saying he's constantly telling his followers that. 
basically everybody else in the world is living a life of vice and sin. Yeah, that's but right. he's found Jesus and mm. he's found the gym and waking up early. And he also yeah. kind of, he goes, yeah, sure. I may not have many friends, but the ones I do have are pretty okay, I guess. It's just like, <laughs> it's just like, yeah. I can I can imagine you would have a ton of friends, Timon, because he just doesn't, yeah. doesn't look like a fun hang, old Timon. No, no, he's very <laughs> intense. You posted a thing on our on our Instagram recently, which is just him going, "If you are vibing with me or texting with me, you can check my phone. I'm not going to be messaging anyone else. I'm loyal." And it's just, it's just like Jesus, chill out. And he and he has this kind of. Uh, yeah, he's just always incredibly serious. And as I said yeah. to you, he has this he has this weird stylistic trick where he'll often if he starts a video statically, so if he's sitting or standing, the video mm. starts and he's staring directly into the lens, kind of moving his hands and saying some bullshit about how like <laughs> I just don't know why the world's gone crazy because I think <laughs> I think if everybody just found Jesus and stopped being uh, disloyal they would find that laugh is way better and then he'll he'll stand get go to stand up or go to walk off and he won't even get to the part where he's taking his first step and the video ends so it's this weird thing where he's kind of making it seem like he's he's walked over to you as you're just sat mm. sat down minding your own business and he sat down in front of you and then he just like spews this sanctimonious nonsense at you. And then he goes, yeah, like mic drop, I'm just going to walk off and leave you with that. <laughs> and you're just going to react like, whoa, you've whoa, changed my life. I'm going to ponder this for so long with T-Mom. And he's got, I just went to his website um, earlier and I didn't realize, because, you know, none of this stuff really tells you anything about what he actually does or how he how he makes a living. But if you go to his website, he's basically reveals that he's just got a bit of a kind of um, vague, classically vague sort of entrepreneurship startup tips thing that you've got to pay for. He's got two packages, the accelerator and the game changer. And he says, these two programs are my greatest programs to date. It is so simple to follow. And when you crush the basics, make your first 5k sales, or earn your first 50k followers, you wouldn't want to go back. After all, you tasted blood because you're now the boss of your own life. You get to decide how much you work and get the opportunity to earn more than you have ever earned. Um, Let's get the program. I mean, this was also what we can spend some of the Patreon money on. Yeah. do the, You do the accelerator and I'll do the game changer and we'll see who comes out ahead. Suddenly the podcast will just be like, hey, guys, welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. <laughs> <laughs> if you think that just doing nothing is fun, hey, that's your choice. But I've got something <laughs> that I think is really good, and that's Jesus. <laughs> Jesus and awaits. <laughs>